find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Based Orphan 18. Today, we are going to try something a little different. Um, with so much going on in Season 4, we are splitting some of these episodes in half. And uh, this episode is the first part of our makeover episodes, where we're going to focus on Kurt and his storyline in New York. And with me today are two new guests that I'm happy to have here with me. Um, hi, I'm Kelly. I'm a Kurt McKinnon on Tumblr. Happy to be here. Hello. Um, I am Wow Bright, uh, and um, I'm going to have a little more caffeine, so I'll have more to say during this episode. I'm Oh, and I'm Wow Bright everywhere, uh, the, but you can also call me Dale. Okay. Well, welcome, guys. Welcome to your first podcast. This is kind of fun. It's been a while since we've had some new voices on. So... Um, yep, so this is Makeover. It's the third episode, and um, we starting. Um, I actually wanted to kind of hit upon a couple of things that I, I don't think we really did in the um, in the new Rachel and Brittany podcast. Mostly talking about Kurt's headspace going into Makeover and how uh, Niata not getting into Niata kind of you know dampened his summer and kind of. Uh, changed his plans for the future and how a lot of that, um, you know, changes have, has put him in a, all right, well, I'm going to go out and, and try and do things another way and, and how he, and, and how that affects his mindset getting into makeover and going into, to Vogue.com. Okay. I don't know if yeah. you guys had anything to okay. wanted to add to that, but. <laughs> and yeah. And, and, and just that, you know, with his uh, mindset of like when he gets into New York and, um, you know, when Brittany or in at the end of New Rachel and then through Brittany 2.0 and it starts to be about this focus on, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try for Niana again and I'm going to um, 
go out to Vogue.com and I'm going to go do all of these things. And at the same time, it's kind of, um, you know, he's leaving behind McKinley and in a way he's leaving behind Blaine too. And not really thinking necessarily about, you know, he, his relationship gets kind of put on hold. He's so focused on the future and getting his own individual life together that Blaine is kind of ending up being a, a side thought, which isn't, I'm trying not to frame it as in like, oh, Kurt's horrible or anything. I'm not at all. Yeah, I don't think it was. But plenty of people think he is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I, Blaine had been hinting for months that there was going to be, this was going to be a problem. And Kurt kind of like, he has that tendency to la, 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 la. And anytime something uncomfortable, which I I know because I do the same thing myself, but you know, anytime something uncomfortable, he kind of like, he wants to pretend everything's fine and hope that it'll go away. Yeah, and added to that, I think I it's, I, I kind of get the feeling that he's like, okay, well, you know, I have to focus on getting my dream on track, and and sometimes Kurt can be single-minded, and I don't mean that in a, a bad way. I feel like a lot of times it's like, when talking about these, it's like you either hate a character a lot or you love a character a lot, and it's like, no, this is a, a person who has, or a character who has flaws and has great points, and it's kind of like, this is being human, like, oh, you know. And this is a trait that he has. He's like, okay, I'm going to uh, work on this. And and because of that, it just means that, you know, being an 18-year-old trying to go off to college and balance a long-distance relationship with a high school boyfriend, that's probably a pretty complicated and hard thing to do. Yes. Getting into the episode, the first time we see Kurt is during Blaine's opening montage. And it, it does show um, that they are Skyping each other. Is that in the in the montage? Yeah. Oh, and I just watched oh, this like in the, the last twelve hours. Okay. Back and forth. Yeah, they're like um, Blaine's talking about the only time that they feel like he feels like they're on the same page is when they're hate watching Treme together. Is there like mm-hmm. a break in the music, or does that happen before he starts singing? It's a break in the music. It's kind of during oh, okay. an instrumental part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, I remember this specifically because it's. Kurt uh, is on the, the laptop. You can see him on a laptop and Blaine passes him the popcorn. <laughs> and, <Right>. then, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's kind of a funny little visual thing, but pe- I remember people being annoyed at Ryan Murphy because they were like, don't Kurt and Blaine Skype each other. And so he put it like, he's like, yeah, they do watch. It's going to be in episode three. And it was like two seconds. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Blaine says that the, the, are Skyping, so they are doing that. It's, uh, you know, how do I put this? Sorry. Uh, I don't know. Like, we don't get Kurt's point of view in in that, because Blaine's the one that feels left behind. But, yeah, I'm sure Kurt misses Blaine. I, I just think that, you know, is he's so he's caught up in a lot of what's going on in New York. And, and yeah. I don't think, because Blaine is not communicating, right. he's not yeah. necessarily... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, many times I've shouted at the TV, boys, you've got to talk to each other. So then we get Kurt coming into, uh, into Manhattan uh, through the magical subway that everybody comes to New York with. with. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, first, he's doing, um, we, got, we should talk about Kurt um, at the mirror and how he's going through his wardrobe. Oh, yeah, I just reblogged that gift set. He has his monologue about how he wants to find something to wear for his interview at Vogue.com. He's going to skip the brooch. Oh, I'm sorry, what? 
It's his hippo brooch that came with a warning. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, it, I don't know if there's anything to meta out of it, but um, Kurt is the only one that doesn't sing his way to New York. Yeah, which That's makes true. me cry. Well, no, I guess that doesn't make me cry. What makes me cry? And maybe I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. <laughs> he has like one, it's, it's a sort of Kurt plot line in this episode, and he has one line of singing in the whole episode i know anyway sorry but that's all of season four five and six for me and most of season three so hey <laughs> no i feel yeah because uh <laughs> he's yeah he's the only one that doesn't sing his way into new york he does uh rock out that pair of sunglasses though i will say that mm-hmm. <laughs> coming in new york has big you know what i did this is kind of funny just to see what would happen i i went to vogue.com and tried to get a job to see what, you know, like what process you would go through to, to apply to Vogue.com. And, um, so I went on there, I found their career section, I clicked on apply and then it said temporarily out of service. So Um, I could not apply to (laughs) Vogue.com. Also, um, the, well, this is, I don't know, this is getting ahead, but, um, the, the resume he gives Isabel to HireHummel.com, it was a, a real URL, and it's still archived if you search for it. Oh, really? What, did you know did, what was on it? see, like, the outfits that he put together. It look, it, I guess it's behind-the-scenes photos of Chris, um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to look at. Yeah, that is really cool. I didn't know that they – I mean, I guess nowadays, anytime you have any kind of web address, people are going to try and look it up. So why not put something there? Um, yeah, so we have this interview. Um, while he's waiting in the um, in the waiting room, we get all of this like all of the people that work at Vogue talking about Isabel as if she's like this really scary Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada person, and he just looks so nervous sitting there. Well, she is kind of scary to some of them. She just likes him. That's true. I mean, because. At that, well, is this jumping? But you know, at the end of the episode, when she decides that he's part of the team, and the other somebody else on the team looks kind of horrified, and you know that that's a threat. I mean, I think that the the culture it's just supposed to be reflecting the culture of New York, where whether or not somebody hates you, everybody is a threat if you're trying to climb to the top on you know using them as the stepping uh, as the rungs, right. Yeah. Does anyone remember what that hippo brooch? What other outfits has he worn it with? Does anyone remember? I don't remember. He wore it in yeah. Dance with Somebody because um, Chandler comments on it. Was oh, that? Yeah. Oh, was it the hippo? Okay, it was the hippo. It was the hippo. And he's worn it a few other times too. I just don't remember off the top of my head. But that'd be interesting was to that, see. Was that in the auction or did Chris keep that? It was probably, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's something he would wear. I don't know. Yeah, but you hmm. couldn't hang it on your wall as a coat, as a coat hook. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so we get into this interview, and it's interesting. The first thing, you know, we see um, Isabel for, for the first time coming out of clothes. I just think that's neat. Um, and she's like, Columbus, I'm from Columbus, and you're from Lima. And I love the exchange. I love the a little moment where she's like, she mentions that she ate at um, breadsticks. Bread. Oh, yeah. He's like, you ate at breadsticks? And she's like, well, I wish I hadn't. Because <laughs> she had gotten sick. So, so uh, what do you guys think about Isabel as a character in Kurt's story? 
Um, I like, I, I love her. I think she's, and uh, also I have a note here that someone else mentioned on Tumblr, I think at the time that Isabel is another form of Elizabeth as a name. So it's and Elizabeth and, and Fannin, it's, it's what a lot of people think Kurt's mother's name is. So it's, might not be intentional, but it's it's fitting because she's kind of a mother figure. Yeah. So because she is kind of like, well, she's a fairy godmother, like he says, mm-hmm. and he, he needed that um, kind of a maternal figure in his life at that time. It's interesting that he gets uh, this. Uh, Isabel is kind of a mentor because she's also not only going to help him. Um, uh, you know, career-wise, which she's she's definitely there for that, but also as a kind of a, a personal uh, mentor, she's going to help him a little bit with advice when you know he's going through his breakup. Break breakup, and I think that mm-hmm. while I don't dismiss Rachel's role as his friend, and I think that Rachel actually has a lot of, even though like you can get frustrated with her at times, I think that her role in his life um, makes a lot of sense, and she does say a lot of good things, even if they're hard to hear, I think she's just a different role and in a different place. And I think Isabel being this mentor, being someone who's older, being someone who's a little bit more objective, um, is, is a really kind of cool thing that, that he has. Yeah. Cause Rachel's kind of going through the same thing herself, getting settled in a, a brand new city and a brand new life. So it's good that he has someone that's, you know, that kind of knows the ropes a little. Yeah, how many episodes is she in? I don't remember. She was in. She's in this one. She's in um, Thanksgiving, right? Because um, of the let's have a kiki. She's in Lights Out because that's the that's the one with the ballet. Oh, okay. Gosh, was she only really in three? That doesn't. Yeah, because I, I was just feel, I was feeling like like the character had a lot of potential, but I don't really remember her doing much. I mean, she she had a couple like crucial. She had some scenes that hinted at a larger role in Kurt's life, but um, yeah, I didn't get a really good feel for her. And if I'm going to be, I didn't get enough sleep last night, so I'm a little, so I, I'm looking at things like a little more negatively, but I'm like, so when I watched it last night, when I watched it again last night, I was like, damn it, I like Sarah Jessica Parker, but her introduction means that she sings half of the song in the in this episode that should yeah. be Kurt. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. I mean, I don't know if you, well, Brett, I don't know if you listen to any of the podcasts. Oh, no, I do. But usually I'm like more of a, um, except where it comes to Kurt solos, I'm usually like, they can do whatever the fuck they want to do on that show. And I'm okay with it. You know? But I'm usually, I'm usually, I'm just along here for the ride, except that Kurt needs more solos. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, no, it gets ridiculous. After, you know, it's, I understand a lot of why he did not, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, you miss hearing his voice. And I was so. just going to say with the, the comment though, I said, please don't feel bad for ever being negative because everybody that listens to the end of the season three stuff about me and, and Rachel <laughs> and Finchel, <laughs> which I probably, well, it's funny. I was doing the opening um, podcast and I said, I promise I'm better. I actually don't hate Hummelberry in season four. I know a lot of people get irritated with it and it doesn't, I've made my peace with it because most of my issues are season three related. And I, you know, I don't try to like bash people. Like I'm not going to sit here and like, God, this person is horrible and I hate it. And this is awful. And this sucks. I don't want to like, I won't ever do that personally, but except Will Schuster. Uh, yeah. Except for Will Schuster. <laughs> I get two hours. 
about why Will Schuster is terrible. Well, and actually speaking of Will Schuster, I know this is on the Lima side, but I'm going to say it anyway. I keep with the the deaf jokes in Glee oh, with that yeah. guy with you know he's deaf in one ear. And yesterday I was trying to decide if they're just straight up offensive, the deaf jokes. Like, so the character, he's always like, you forgot I only have hearing in one ear. Of course I didn't hear you. And he, I, I would he, like to actually say something oh, about that. Because can I finish? I, I'm actually deaf in left, my left ear. Right. So to me, yeah, I hate that guy. I, I mean, and, and it's not, I don't feel offended, but I feel like you guys don't understand, not you guys, the show doesn't understand what that is. There's a di- like, I can hear perfectly fine. I The only time it's a problem is when there is an abundance of noise around me and I can't, I have to be facing you or facing you with my good ear to be able to really hear you. But if it's a one-on-one situation, it's fine. There's no issues. Um, so it gets irritating because I'm not sitting here always going, hey, I can't hear you. Uh, and I'm just like, not to mention, you know, people that have legitimate, like, completely deaf or whatnot they aren't like that either and i i just so anyway go ahead so when i was watching it i mean i'm thinking he's actually facing away and schuster keeps talking at him and getting annoyed for him not hearing so i'm like okay well it's really badly done if their point here is that schuster is a total a-hole which is true and inconsiderate (laughs) and doesn't pay attention to what people need but then you know the delivery is not the best if that's their point oh that's a good point too (laughs) Yeah, no, anyway, actually, just I had to get my Schuster dig in. No, there <laughs> you know, I feel like it's a rite of passage. Everyone has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel so bad about that. Um, so, okay. and, so uh, getting back into the scene, though. So, yeah, we have introduction to Isabel and we have Kurt's resume. I guess we, we find out that Kurt has blogged. He's been a fashion blogger for who, who oh, knows I how I was going to bring that up because he would have been 11 years old when that show started in 2004. That would have been the cutest thing, little Kurt and his little blog. Aww. Could you imagine him? I mean, I bet he wrote it in a journal at first or something. I bet he totally would, though. Yeah. Oh, he totally, yeah. And Bert would have been like, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did it because Bert was like... Um, yeah, you know, I'm not actually interested in this, but I bet there are people who would really love to hear your opinions on this. Why don't you start a blog? Can you imagine little Kurt, though, like making a little design or like, Daddy, what if we put this piece of clothing with this and this and this? And Bert's being like, okay, kiddo. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. But could you imagine Bert trying to shop with Kurt? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's probably happened a lot, too. Especially when he was like seven and they had to go to like, what What are the suburban department stores these days? Oh, I guess Target. Target or yeah. JCPenney. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> Target has a little more edgy stuff, but yeah. And well, and then in um, that deleted scene, the box scene in the Christmas episode for season three, Kurt says that he gets a lot of online deals. And so I'm sure he's like browsing you know, or maybe he goes to Goodwill and just, you know, checks out and buys random pieces of clothing. No, I was just thinking that maybe the reason he has so many awesome clothes is maybe he's actually a really successful fashion blogger. And we just never knew about that. 
so he's getting like samples and and maybe that's why Isabel's so impressed with him. That could be. <laughs> I like the hood cannon. We're keeping it. <laughs> I mean, there's so much stuff that we don't know that goes you know, that happens in the, alt, you know, in the, in the background in Glee that yeah. we could write novels about. Exactly. Well, he says in this, um, he says in the scene, um, he got, uh, the half sweater from his aunt's attic or something like that. Right. Um, now it begs the question, was it already a half sweater or did he cut it in half or, you know, <laughs> and yeah, so we get the, his, I, I love the, um, all the BTS photos, these are obviously like, you know, when they do cost the costume department, and they take pictures of the characters or the actors in the clothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what these are, but I like the little collection of old. I think it's neat how you can tell like when it's Chris wearing it as Chris and when he's in character. Cause like Chris is so not like a fashion guy. He's not like, well, he kind of is now, but he wasn't then that's yeah. But yeah, he doesn't dress like Kurt. So, but you can tell when Kurt's, you know, in, when he's in character as Kurt. I always think that's neat. Yeah. Well, and I like, um, you know, it's it's just funny. I can tell. I'm like, okay, so that's from that episode, and that's from that episode, and that's from that. Like, there's the Barbara Streisand, like, in Ohio, mall in Ohio thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about Kurt um, going into fashion comparatively to his um, dreams of being a performer? I mean, do you think that the show, would you like to see more of the fashion side of it? Do you think that they should have just stuck with the um, performance stuff? I mean, I like that they kept, they kind of kept him doing it as like a hobby. I mean, he, he would have done, I mean, if he wanted to make a career of it, he could have, but he wanted to be a performer as a career, but, and do fashion kind of on the side. And in the very end, in the, I think it was cut out of the script where he Hummel brag is his, he has a line of men's accessories called Hummel brag, which I think is so cute. So he's still doing, he's still kind of doing it on the side in the end, which I think was, is, was good for him. Mm-hmm. Interestingly to me and, and while Brad, I'm going to pick up on the note that you sent back to me. Um, Kurt's really rather nervous during this interview and he's a little shy and, and it's interesting because you know, we know him, especially when he was first introduced, as this kind of hard as nails, like persona, and you know, showing up, like being much more confident. You know, you all work for me one day, type of thing. And here he is, you know, in this interview, really kind of in a different side of Kurt that we don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked your comment. If you wanted to elaborate on what you said in your email back to me. Oh yeah, just that he he's hard as nails with people he doesn't care about or that he, you know, or that he dislikes that he wants to, that he needs to put down in order to get an emotional distance from them. And then, but since he actually cares about what Isabel mm-hmm. thinks about him, you know, and, and, and wants, I guess, I mean, he cares about what assholes think about him too, but he wants Isabel to like him. And so he's, more genuine with her and, you know, a little nervous because he actually cares, you know, in a, in a deeper way about what her response is going to be. Um, I think that's, that's, yeah, a really great observation. Mm -hmm. And I think adding on to that, I I know Kurt often gets criticized for being like this cold and distant person and this, you know, just unapproachable. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's one aspect to his personality when he's being defensive, as, as you mentioned. And I'm like, 
But on the, on the other hand, there is this person who's very warm and very caring and very passionate. And, you know, I, I, this is that Kurt kind of coming out or, you know, being a little bit more vulnerable outwardly. And, um, we don't get to see it very often, but it is there. Kurt says that there, he has a line in there. He, he, he's cause Isabel was talking about, cause Isabel kind of breaks down in this scene. Yeah. And, um, Gosh, this poor lady. She's just in over her head because she it, she comes off to me in my in my reading of her as uh, somebody who is a great artist, um, who's very creative, who knows how to you know manage that creativity. But she's not necessarily a manager, which is I think a different skill set. Yeah. And so she's having a hard time. And and Kurt's kind of there as a you know she here somebody that she can just kind of like say things and, and vent and it's not going to be an issue. It's, it's a, and so he says, like you said, in vanity fair, I don't trust anyone who hasn't failed big at least once. Um, because she's going through this, um, you know, people aren't looking at her collection or no, wait, what was it? She's, she's not landing any ideas. That's what it was. And I just think it's an interesting thing that he, and he points out because he's counting Niata as this big failure. Like he's, fail to get in at his dream. Yeah. And, but also his relationship is going to fail soon. And, and it's kind of foreshadowing that as well. And he has mm-hmm. no idea. No, he does not. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then in the meeting upcoming, Isabel said something that I made a note of. It's, it, it wasn't, may not be intentional, but it's sort of related to Kurt's situation. She goes, I think it's time we t- tackle something we've been avoiding far too long. And it was leather <laughs> socks and leather underwear, but it also puts <laughs> relationship. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I like that. I've never thought about that before. Cool. So other things we learned about Kurt in this scene, um, he his fashion icons are Audrey Hepburn, Michelle Obama, and Isabel. Michelle Isabel Obama? was the only surprise in that list. <laughs> well, we don't know much about her. I wish we, you know, because we don't really get to see what her, like we hear about it a little bit, but we don't get to really see what her fashion ideas are, so... But it's also kind of, I mean, he, you can see sometimes his, especially in season three, after he and Blaine have sex, you can see the Audrey Hepburn influences, but he didn't even mention, oh, no, no, I'm blanking on the name. You know, Skull Guy, the the designer with all the skulls. Oh, I, I really am bad with designers. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I think I remember, I remember the shirts. Yeah. Anyway. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, cool. You know, that he, and, and so is that, so are his, is his list of fashion icons totally genuine or is he just listing the ones that he thinks she'll like? Yeah. Part, I mean, yeah. Half and half. I mean, I'm sure Kurt yeah. knows like, you know, he, cause he says not to like suck up or anything you, but right. at the same time, it doesn't hurt to say that kind of thing. Right. And then his future dreams are working in fashion and starting on Broadway. Yeah, yep. that sounds about right. Huh? Good job, writers. Character consistency. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where she calls him a dreamer. Like, well, she says New York is for dreamers. And um, this is, of course, the most idealistic uh, reality, or the most idealistic version of New York City I've ever seen. I mean, because don't get me wrong, New York is a great, great place to be. I've been there many times. But um, it, I think that often in media in general, it's kind of, over-idealized sometimes in New York. I mean, uh, Glee really does that, but it works for the show. It works for the kind of 
the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. But I, I do like also like a lot of the, a lot of Kurt's stories to me in this episode seems um, very innocent and very uh, idealistic. And I feel like that's intentional because I do feel like it's, I don't know if foreshadowing is the right word. I do think that it's setting up, the massive amount of heartbreak that's going to go on in the next episode. I think giving Kurt this kind of last bit of innocence, this last bit of, you know, dreamlike quality before reality is really going to hit hard. Yeah. And that seems to happen a lot to Kurt. I don't know. I, I mean, like every time something good happens, like something, then something bad happens. Like he gets into Niata. Oh, my, my dad has cancer. You know, like exactly. Yeah. For Kurt, for whatever reason, things don't come for free. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I, I for the life of me, I'm blinking a little bit right now. But I do like you said definitely that you know he gets in when he gets in the out. His dad's gonna have cancer, um, and but yeah, I just feel like throughout his story, it's he he takes you know two steps forward, one step back, and but he keeps going forward, and that's why we love him. We yeah exactly. And, and, and I wrote, wrote my own notes. Um, I don't know if I gave this part to you guys, but I'm like, yeah, because, he, you know, Isabel hires him because he's young and naive and optimistic and bright. And New York is for dreamers. And I mean, and you can also it'll and New York will also eat you up and spit you back out. It's the story of Kurt's story is just as we were talking about, it's going to be navigating childhood to adulthood and and not giving up on your dreams and, and keep going and, you know, being a survivor in ways. So, okay guys, I think it's time to talk about something unexpected. Let's talk about leather. (laughs) 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 So yeah, the next time we see Kurt, uh, he is actually doing his intern job. Um, I'm really kind of curious. What do you think, what do you guys think actually goes into this internship? Because I feel like there, I never really get a, a good handle on it throughout the couple of times we see him at uh, Vogue.com. I have no idea. No idea. I, yeah, that's not the kind of stuff I did when I was an intern, but there probably are, you know, I, what we see is organizing binders and handing them out, but there probably are internships where that's what the person does. So who knows? I was never an intern. I don't know. I assume this is kind of like, he's like, I don't want to say assistant, but like the person that obviously is going and running the coffee right now, but like later he's going to be answering phone calls and, you know, um, he has a headset and I don't know. I have no idea what he's really doing. Yeah. Does, were either of you in fandom when this episode came out? Yes. Okay. So I was, but I avoided spoilers like the play. Sorry, I am. I was cutting out. Oh, okay. Um, I, but I was just wondering the whole thing about Chase. I remember people being obsessed with Chase. Oh, he yeah. made some, oh, some suggestion about leather. Was there something in his suggestion that made people think that he was going to be Kurt's love interest? That's what I was, when I was watching yes. the episode yesterday. <laughs> I was trying to figure I out. I remember that because I was just kind of lurking on, on, in fandom at the time. And I just remember the spoilers and Chase was made out to be a bigger thing than it turned out to be. And people thought he was going to be Kurt's love interest. And then they're going to come, he's going to be- come between him and Blaine and 
and he was on like twice and so it wasn't a big deal but I feel like it was a lot of wishful thinking there was a lot of I I wasn't active in fandom at the time again I was a lurker myself but I think that there were this character they got wind that this guy was going to be on and they, they wanted it to happen. They wanted to Kurt to have yeah. another. I think there was a lot of, of Kurt fans that wanted Kurt to have another person other than Blaine. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. this guy kind of was the first person they could latch onto as somebody that that might happen with. I don't remember if he was a, a guest star that, I, like, I don't know the actor. I don't know if the, the guy is known for other things. Yeah. So he might have been a slightly bigger name than some random guy that shows up. So people were latching on to that and being like, oh, this could be a possibility. And then I think that just the guy being an attractive, you know, slightly older guy in Kurt's world, it was an easy thing to grab. But I don't think there's anything definite there. Okay. From what I remember looking up about him, he's he's done a little bit of Broadway, so I guess he can sing. So maybe oh. people thought he, would be, he might be a bigger thing on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Some duets. <laughs> I know there was fan fiction written about him. I know that he showed up <laughs> before Adam was a thing. He was he was the guy that like showed up in fanfics. Yeah, because I, I I remember well, I remember seeing the fanfics and being like, how did I mean, you don't need anything, you know, you don't need anything to write a fan. You don't need no basis from which to write a fan fiction. But I was just kind of surprised at the time, the number of times he was showing up. Cause I was like, I didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, there's episode. nothing there. There's no, you know, and there, I don't even think in this scene, when they're talking about all the leathery stuff and Kurt's like, I love Kurt in the background, just listening in and trying to take it all in and still being like, why are we talking about leather in unexpected places? And, um, but there's no, I don't think there's any like shared looks between him and Chase or anything. No. Yeah. Her hair looked amazing in this scene though. Oh yeah. Well, every scene, but this scene, especially. Absolutely. Well, yeah, this is a good time to mention, cause there's not really much substance to the scene. Um, that, you know, it's funny cause Kurt, obviously we all talk about how Chris grew up on the show and, I think coming into season four was one of those really big, it's not really a growth spurt. He didn't really grow more, but his face kind of, he, it, it became more mature looking and yeah, yeah whatever they were styling his hair really awesomely in the early, the early part of the season. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't know why they didn't keep it. There's some really great Kurt looks in this whole episode. Yeah, I like the little blonde highlights. It was a little like a blonde highlight in his hair for a, a little bit. Remember Chris said that that was natural and not Yes. I always wonder if that's true or not. Well, he might have just sprayed hydrogen peroxide in his hair. Yeah, maybe. You know, but he was, because I, I saw him that summer and he, that's how he'd been. I mean, in the summer, Chris, the actual person, was doing his hair that way. I mean, not the five feet high thing. It was still a little foo foo, but, you know, but like very, like, I remember seeing him being like, whoa, he's he's like almost blonde. I mean, he wasn't really, but there were just so many highlights in his hair. And they looked like if he'd spent enough time in the sun, they could be natural. And he was super freckled. So it's possible that it was, that they're natural. Yep. Because I'm I'm assuming um, you did the the Land of Stories tour. 
Yeah. Because I did yeah. it that summer too. And I remember the one, my thing, because there was a little, it was maybe a Sandy Brown when I saw him. Um, but he's definitely very freckled. It's like, yeah. it took me aback. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize you were that freckled kid. Yeah, but they, they must put a lot of makeup on him. Yeah. Which is, yeah. It's so funny because um, I, I noticed it more, um, especially at the end of season one, they cake on the, the, the powder. And yeah. he just, look, he looks translucent or something. And I'm like, what? And then I can tell the makeup stuff now. I'm like, wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shout out to like all of Kurt's. Well, we'll talk more about the my favorite sweater popping up in one of the later scenes. Okay. Um but yeah, this is a this is a nice look, and I like that it's it's kind of going for something new and different, and especially since he's um, uh, working at Vogue.com now, so they're trying to make him I don't I don't know if trendy is the right word, but uh, something different definitely. Yeah. Well, and after after the breakup happens, he's going to be all in black for a very long time, so it's nice to see yeah. uh, a little bit of color, a little bit of you know different things going on. So, um, so yeah, they talk about unexpected leather for a while. Um, <laughs> and the only, the one thing that does rub me wrong a little bit uh, is that, um, when Isabel is, what is the girl's name that she's like, Oh, the eating disorder. Wait, was it? No mental something. Yeah. It's just some kind of mental disorder. And she's yeah, like, stay meds. I'm like, no, yeah. it's not a good idea. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, and I didn't like that. She's like, wow, that sounds crazy. Stay off your meds. And I'm like, okay, that that isn't just because, you know, I've had family going through some mental stuff. And I'm like, yeah, don't let your boss decide when you're going to take meds or not. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Though I I kind of wonder about that uh, in terms of the whole tone of Glee from season one to season four, because a comment like that, well, maybe it would have offended people in season one. Maybe they would have noticed, but also like you'd have a comment like that about every minute. Yeah. You know, like, I mean that the whole point of, you know, season one was so over the top, you know, ridiculous offensive that, you know, kind of, well, obviously some people are offended by South Park. I am occasionally offended by South Park, but a lot of it is so over the top that you start to ignore it. And 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 with um, you know, when it be- started becoming more after school, especially and like maybe li- maybe late season two and definitely season three, that kind of stuff stands out. You know, it's such a stark contrast. You know, it just stands out a lot more as being unacceptable instead of funny. <laughs> yeah. No, I never thought about it that way, but I think. Oh, I'm sorry, Kelly. I was talking over you. Does anyone know who wrote this episode? Oh, I'll go check. As you can tell, and if it's an Ian Brennan episode when it's like a lot of offensive comments, <laughs> like any Sue Sylvester. Well, I mean that's an interesting point though, because season one does, you know, it is very not PC, and it's oh no, yeah, because that was Ian Brennan's idea at first. When they figure out where they are in their society, place in society, they kind of make a point to um oh yeah definitely written by ian brennan so oh okay <laughs> there we go that explains a lot <laughs> uh they make it a point to not you know say well they still do though every once in a while but you're right it does stick out and then this is where isabel kind of goes into this spiraling mess because you know she's not she's an artist not a manager and kurt's just kind of like trying to hold on and be supportive and you know, as much as a you know, 17, 18 year old kid can in this situation. I guess he'd be 18 now. 19. 19. 
Oh, according to the, well, not the birth certificate, but his college application. Yep. And the, and he was 16 in season one when he was a sophomore. So that would work too, which is funny. I, I don't remember if we, I wonder, I don't remember what podcast, if it aired or if it's something that I haven't aired yet. We had a conversation about Kurt's age being one of the few consistent things on the show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, cause he is 16 in the beginning and it matches with that application, Miata application in season three, which is matches with him being 21 when he gets married. It's just really funnily con- consistent. Maybe Chris was like, Hey guys, you got my age wrong on this. Well, no, cause Chris kept like, we always oh, got the opinion forget? that Chris thought that Kurt was eternally 16. Like, because he kept saying, Kurt shouldn't get married at 16. And we're like, he's not getting married at 16. <laughs> They're not getting married as teenagers. <laughs> like, so, but um, yeah, I kind of like the moment at the end where, um, when after Isabel kind of goes through this big rant, and Kurt's like, well, you can come live with me and my roommate in Bushwick. And she's like, what? So, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's that's when I was right out of college doing my internship in a play in a publication much less glamorous than Vogue, and me inviting over all my coworkers for dinner, and they actually a lot of them actually did show up. Bless their hearts, you know, in my little hovel where I was living with like fifteen other people, and Aww. bless their hearts. But yeah, <laughs> I could that that look on on. Uh, Isabel's face I was like I remember that look and and I loved how Kurt was like totally oblivious to it like I was yeah. back then too like I'm living on my own in, in a total hovel come over and visit me I'm so proud of it, yeah I mean and you think about it like Kurt's living in this loft of all the oh god the loft and and in Bushwick and and you know, and to him, it's all exciting and new in New York and, and Isabel, who's probably been there for quite a long time. Okay. Um, just be like, oh, my God, why? You know, like, I cannot go back to that kind of living. <laughs> and they, didn't have, they didn't even have him and Rachel didn't have tables and chairs yet. Even it got it was still later on. But at that point, they were still had very little furniture. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Rachel, we can get into a little bit of the Hummelberry stuff. Now, my one of my issues with this season is that for whatever reason, there is a trend of Kurt's like of the New York side that it will, a story will start out being very Kurt focused and, (laughs) and end up very racial focused. (laughs) Like this one isn't so bad, but like you get something where it starts off and we have this great Kurt stuff and and a lot of Kurt things. And then it just kind of slowly filters and meshes into Rachel's. And then it becomes about Rachel at the end of it. I'm like, why do they keep doing that? I don't know. Rachel, meanwhile, I should have watched this scene again because I'm blanking on what is going on exactly here. But um, Rachel's point, or Rachel's story up to this point has been a lot of her struggling at Miata, a lot of the stuff with trying to reinvent herself. Rachel's story has been a lot about, you know, her struggles and trying to, she's going to go through this whole arc of, uh, wanting to be an adult, but not really doing like kind of more pretending to be an adult other than um, actually doing it because she still has a lot of growing up to do, which is fine. I think a lot of people go through that at this age. You know, she is looking to, you know, she's also trying to impress Brody and impress Cassie July. And, you know, she tried to be sexy in, in Britney 2.0 and that kind of didn't work. So Kurt has this whole ideology of 
you know, well, he knows that um, you add in Isabel trying to make uh, something that actually works for Anna Wintour, and um, Rachel went to do makeover, so Kurt gets this huge idea that he can kill two birds with one stone. So that's where he comes up with this idea of, of doing the music video. Um, but the other thing is that he says, which I don't necessarily agree with, he gives her advice saying that, you know, if we give you a makeover, uh, we'll make you look all pretty and everything, and then you'll feel great inside. And I don't know how much of that is really Kurt, how much of it's the writing. I don't know. You don't think Kurt believes that? Well, yeah, I do. But, like, I don't know how much it works for Rachel. But Right. Well, yeah. he might not know that either. Oh, that's true. Since the last makeover he gave her was to, was <laughs> was meant to cause her tra- problems. So Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it does fit with Kirk because he kind of has the idea with if everything's okay on the outside, if I can then, you know, if I can maintain this um, perfect, you know, look on the outside and then everything's fine yep yep i think that's like well and we especially saw it how do i put this i think it's an interesting thing to think about with kurt because yeah in the beginning you know his his outside was you know how he presented himself so that nobody could see what was going on in the inside so yeah i don't know i wonder i because i'm not very good at clothing meta I wonder how that compares to, I guess, like I'm thinking about all the way to season five when he says that my ins or my he says that my outside is finally caught up to my inside with his body, but you know at that point then he's not even wearing clothes, so yeah. things have evened out and and he's feeling better about himself in general and and not that like I think Kurt's always going to be somebody who loves fashion and loves clothes and loves how they look on him, but. He doesn't need it in the same way eventually, if that oh, yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, because the first, like, season three, like, seasons one, two, three, he was wearing, like, you know, he was dressed for, like, an Arctic expedition. Like, <laughs> like the layers were just ridiculous. Like, I don't know how he wasn't sweating all the time. Yeah. And then, like you said, season season five, like, what clothes? What are clothes? <laughs> Interesting. I've never really thought about that trade of thought before. That's pretty cool. So uh, he wants to, and I'm sure, like, you know, he had back in hairography, we had him do the fake makeover for Rachel, and now he gets to do a real one. And he's probably very excited about that, because we know how he feels about Rachel's uh, clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they uh, decide to, you know, this is, now that I think about it, this is the same day, because Kurt's still wearing the same clothing he was wearing during, um stuff with Isabel earlier so it's a long day for Kurt and it's around midnight and they decide to vote to break into vogue.com the second time they broken in broken into a bill day I know I was I, my comment like about the two of them trying to be like li- not necessarily rebellions but like they're adorable at being really awful at breaking and entering or doing <laughs> things wrong or whatnot <laughs> I love when um, cause they're sneaking around in the dark and, and Rachel's like, oh my god, we're at Vogue.com and it's like, you know, the, yeah, they, oh gosh, they're the worst at breaking the law. I can't miss. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the funniest moments of this episode, though, is when <laughs> Isabel shows up. And she even has a cop with her, which is, it's great. Cause you know, a lot of times like it's, there's, 
Glee trying to do some um, uh, remnants of um, of realism by bringing the cop, you know? But then she's just like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, we're going to make over Rachel. And she's like, okay, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) At midnight, okay. Which is a much better response. Yeah. All right, so do you want to talk about um, this title is so long. You're never fully dressed without a smile, and the way you look tonight is mashed up. And Kurt has one glorious line. Transported me to heaven, and then, yeah. What line was it? I I forgot. I don't even, I can't remember. I can't remember either. But it's like, because I was like, wait, I don't think I own this song. Because he started singing. It was like, I don't own this song. How do do I not own this song if he sings in it? And then like, it, but it's like one line. I'm like, oh, that's why I don't own this song. <laughs> There's, I think in the studio version, he has a little bit more. But yeah, it's mostly Sarah Jessica Parker singing. Um, and she does a fine job. I don't like have any issues with her, but. She sounds nice with Rachel. She does. Their voice sounded good together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a little sad that Kurt doesn't get to sing much more here. He does get a new suit, though. He does. It looks good. Is it a stop sign? I can't remember. There was so much meta about that suit. Oh, really? Red suit. What? What's the red part? It's red. I don't have a pic. I don't have the episode pulled up, and I just have my still, but I, I can't tell. Oh, it, there, it's a brown suit, and it has red over, um, over the front of it. It doesn't look like a stop sign to me. It just yeah. looks like she. It looks mm-hmm. like an X more so. But I, I don't know. Uh, maybe tic-tac-toe, because there's these white circles on it, too. I can't remember what it is. I remembered there was a ton of meta, and I and I wasn't good and didn't look up all the meta before our episodes. So somebody is screaming at their computer right now. <laughs> well, they should reblog the podcast and talk about Kurt Meta. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're only three people. We can't. And, you know, and I think that's really cool about fandom. Like, you can get these really big collective ideas and I like, I know I don't, I, I can't at all cover like every time I do one of these podcasts, I, I do it after I do my meta and we always come up with something new that we haven't thought about before. And I'm like, Oh, that is so cool. And that's the neat thing about doing this stuff. So yeah, whoever, if you guys have that, that clothing meta, you know, pull it out and reblog it and that'll be awesome. So I do like way back when Chris said that, um, that he part of his part of his design for Kurt uh, was modeled off of Tim Gunn a little bit, and I kind of mm-hmm. see that here. Kind of see that here when he's trying to dress Rachel, and and they they're both like uh, getting her into these various dresses and stuff like that. Just reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Dress up Kurt Hummel. I miss his outfit <laughs> so much. Now I look. I, I mean, I'll actually look at men's fashion blogs and like more than I care about my own wardrobe. Just so I can look for outfits that Kurt might wear. I know, and people get such great ideas. I've seen quite a few across my dash where I'm like, uh, or they say, oh, Kurt should wear this. And I'm like, oh, that'd be perfect. Like, why didn't we have more, you know, adult Kurt would have been, you know, have a lot of really awesome fashion fashion choices for him. Oh, um, one point I wanted to bring up about this is that um, Kurt is often criticized for in diva for saying you know you've got to make over and now you're this you know crazy like person or whatever and a lot of people oh no sorry basically kurt criticizes rachel for being this new version of herself 
um, in Diva. And pe- a lot of people said, well, you know, Kurt, in Makeover, you're the one that made her over. And I'm, yeah. I, I kind of don't like that criticism, actually, um, because she is the one that changed her personality. And, and, and Kurt just tried to help her and with changing her looks, but it's not his fault for the way she acts. Yeah, I think he was trying to help her become more confident. Like, you know, just have some more, you know, self-esteem and not, not too much, <laughs> not diva. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that he was trying to get her out of her shell and, and make her, as you said, more confident. And, you know, just because she became unbearable, that's not his fault. Then we get a second Skype session between him and Blaine. We'll have to stop for a second and talk about my favorite sweater ever, which is that, <laughs> I mean, like just, you know, wow, that just looks so darn good. I, I mean, you wouldn't I think, it. but that sweater is amazing. And he actually wore it in season three. Um, it was always zipped up, though. Um, um, in one of the early episodes, it's when they're doing the booty camp. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's actually, it's zipped up. But this one's unzipped a little bit. I mean... Just the perfect amount. Exactly. And I wonder if this is also like, so I wonder if Kurt wearing this this way is about him feeling a little bit more confident about himself too. Like, hey, you know, let's give a little off the shoulder. I'm going to be Skyping with Blaine, and be, you know. So we get the Skype video. Yeah. I mean, Kurt's going on about the video that they made and how Isabel really loved it and how they're sending it. Uh, up the ranks to see if there, you know, something might come out of it, and that Rachel is feeling a lot better about herself because of it, and everything. And he's really excited, and he's very understandably excited. And um, what he is missing is that Blaine is obviously not handling this whole separation thing very well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, like before, like for a long time, I was like, well, this was not, nothing was Kurt's fault. And, you know, that my tombstone is going to read the first breakup was not Kurt's fault. And thus I would get very defensive. But after seeing this again, watching the episode yesterday, I was kind of like, you know, Kurt, you're kind of ignoring him a little. Maybe you could. I mean, I get, I get that he's excited. And... Well, and I think it's, you know, the thing that I'm trying to do with the, the, conflict of these episodes is that at the time, as I'm sure if we were all there at the time, it was a nightmare to be in fandom because it was either you're on side A or you're side B and one person, you're on one person's side or the other person's side and nobody else did anything wrong and you've got a story that I think is very much about, you know there were both mistakes made on both sides because at the same time sitting on the other side of that computer is not Blade saying, hey Kurt I'm having some issues. I'm feeling really lonely. I'm trying to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. You know, no, he's just sitting there and just thinking, you know, my boyfriend it doesn't like me anymore or something, which we'll get to way more onto when we do the blind side of the podcast. And, you know, sometimes you just gotta be like, yo, Kirk, pay attention to me. And, and he will. I don't think there's anything here that says that Kirk, you know, doesn't want to be with Blaine anymore or doesn't like Blaine anymore. It's just that he's so caught up in you know, this world of, you know, getting, uh, hanging out with Isabel Wright, this fashion, big fashion guru. And you were doing, saying, oh, go ahead. And like you were Sorry. saying, like, if there are the two young 18, 19 year olds that in their first relationship, it's, they're going to make mistakes and they do eventually 
and learn from them. And we, we didn't know in season four, like what was going to happen, but and now we know that it eventually works out, but you know, I, you know, it's, it's a situation they're in. That's, it's not really, I don't want to play better boyfriend Olympics or anything. Don't gosh, no. I was really hoping the whole episode would be that. Just I know. <laughs> um, there, I mean, this is a, another thing about when, you know, it's kind of interesting because if you go and you're, you know, 41 and 42, age makes no difference. But when you're in high school and you're still growing up and, you know, you're between 18 and 19 or between, you know, senior in high school and a freshman in college, it is a very big difference. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's what they're experiencing right here is that they're on just two different pages. I mean, Kurt did all of the uh, student election stuff last year. He went through that already. And, and he did all of the senior stuff last year and it's something that's, he's been there, he's done that, he's trying to move on. And yes, he, he, I mean, I'm not, not blaming him because I do think there's times when he's like, okay, maybe you need to pay attention a little bit more to your relationship. But at the same time, you know, it's, they are in different places and Blaine isn't communicating either. So, Mm -hmm. so no better boyfriend Olympics here. Nope. Right. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to add about the better boyfriend Olympic. Oh no, just about the scene, about the skyping scene. Um, you know, I I don't know. I my I think Kurt is is making a mistake by not checking in, but uh, you know, at the same time, I it's like, well, Blaine, you have to say something. And I, I, me and my partner were always like, blah, blah, blah. You know, we go on these walks and, you know, one of us will talk for most of the walk and be like, well, I'd like to talk more about myself, but I suppose I should ask you about you. You know, I mean, because people just kind of tend to go on <laughs> if somebody else doesn't stop them. I don't know, at least in my experience. And and there are places when, where Blaine has been assertive. I don't know. Is it is only when he's ready to blow his top though? And so he doesn't want to blow his top at Kurt and therefore he's not going to be assertive until after he accidentally sleeps with somebody else. Yeah. Well, well, I think that he's off. Blaine, I, I think doesn't want to do anything like he's already, I don't think he wants to bring conflict into the relationship. Right. I think he's afraid of that. Um, if that you know, well, if we get mad at each other, then it really will be over, and and something bad will happen, and I'll lose Kurt forever. So I'm going to be the best version of myself ever, um, and you know, sw- swallow like all of my fears and everything. And but when he does that, he he doesn't really, you know, it's kind of like a, a very similar thing. Or this situation is kind of. Um, like dance with somebody only on a bigger scale because dance with somebody was about, you know, hands. Yep. Miscommunication and, and not talking to each other about how the other one's feeling. So it's every conflict they have pretty much <laughs> throughout the whole series. That's true. And hopefully, I mean, eventually by the time after a few years, they, they, they learn to, by the time they're married, they learn how to communicate with each other. Um, yeah. There's that moment where, um, Blaine asks about the ties and what he's trying to do is be subtle like hey Kurt I'm trying to reach out to you on your level of you love clothing and I'm sure Kurt spent a lot of time you know dressing Blaine um, but Kurt doesn't see that that's what Blaine's doing it's a very sad scene 
Uh, every time I get to it, I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, boys, stop it. You boys, listen to each other. So the scene that we get after that is um, Isabel, Kurt's back in Isabel's office. Isabel's really excited because she just got a note from Anna saying, great. <laughs> Which uh-huh. apparently is a huge thing. Um, but basically that they're going to take Kurt's idea of this video and um, turn it into something re- real for Vogue.com, which is a really huge thing when you think about it for Kurt. That his you know first week or a couple of weeks there, he's able to inspire and get credit mm-hmm. for a, a major project that goes on the website. And I have here about Kurt's tale, confirmed furry Kurt Hummel, and then underlined, that is a joke. I never realized he was <laughs> wearing a fox shirt, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a fox on his shirt as well. Oh yeah, in that scene. So, um, so yeah, it, it's this huge win for him, and it's nice that he gets this really good win and positive thing before the next episode. Um, and um, you know, this is the, where uh, Isabel goes. You know, he gets really, really excited about it, and Isabel's like, "Oh, you know, I hope you never lose that optimism and idealist idealism and romanticism." And um, it's, again, foreshadowing because a lot of that is going to shatter in the next episode. But Which, but it's good that he did kind of have to lose that, you know, wide-eyed innocence and that naive look at things. And I think it was helpful in the end. Well, I think it's part of growing up, I guess. Yes. Yeah, he needed that. They needed that. Um. I do want to mention real quick, again, we're not going to talk much about it at all, but like, uh, also Rachel goes off, um, and gets her, after she's made over, she has a scene with Brody and, mm-hmm. um, where Brody first, this is where he says that weird thing about you're not a true New Yorker until you've had your first makeover. What? What does that mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Brody is just like the, they put him in. It's like somebody just, Oh, is like the, what? I'm sorry. The convenient line. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you don't really get much of a sense. No, it's yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Convenient Rachel. lines, you know. And then you have Rachel setting the the kitchen on fire, which is how many fanfics start with that? <laughs> well, we get also. I just want to because I think it's hilarious that um, a change will do you. Yeah, there was a gift. Oh, of her setting things on fire. <laughs> There's also that oh, meme yeah. of um, like Rachel is a cinnamon roll and it's really a cinnamon roll and Santana is a, like the cinnamon roll thing and then they're like what's Tina and she's <laughs> she ate Rachel's cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like Rachel will kill you with a cinnamon roll because she'll set it on fire or something. I don't know. I'll have to dig that meme out. It's really funny. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's the um, the song that she and Brody sing, "A Change with You Good," and it's that weird one where they're eating ice cream. And I'm always like, ew, because they're like flirting while eating ice cream and licking it really slowly. And it's just like, I'm totally not familiar with that song. Oh, really? Yeah, it was on the radio like mm. 10 or 15 years ago. Cheryl Crow. I haven't heard it in ages, but she asked <laughs> to do a duet. And that's the most intimate thing. And for Rachel. Well, and also, I mean, it's kind of the, the whole thing with, um, with Kurt and Blaine too, that that's, 
And you, uh, you know, later in season, is it that la- later in season four, that singing is the most intimate thing you can do? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Santana says that, or says, reminds Kurt that he said that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, um, it is, uh, I wonder if Glee tries to present having, doing a duet with somebody as, you know, in replacement, they're not going to, Glee is never going to show sex the way, you know, other shows show sex. <laughs> and I wonder if, and the musical being together musically can sometimes be metaphorical. Yeah. And, I, and you get, and Rachel's kind of like trying to force intimacy with Brody. Like it seems, I don't like, you know, because she doesn't have the person she really wants. She's trying to force it with someone else. Yeah. You know? Well, and he's not really looking for emotional intimacy either. It doesn't seem like, you know, uh, so and and the singing is about emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and he also has that line that kind of uh, doesn't necessarily echo. It kind of flips what Kurt says is that he says something about because you know, she's like, oh, I got a makeover, and he's like, well, you know, it's you know who you are. Maybe your clothes are like maybe you're changing yourself inside is presented now on your outside. Which I don't think is necessarily true. I think she's still very much pretending to be somebody that she's not really mm-hmm. authentically because she's having a hard time. But, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, it, it's both Kurt and Rachel are kind of going through these changes and they kind of do it together. And these storylines, while being relatively different, um, have some similar thematic issues through them, which is why I decided to bring it up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so then we get our last bit of, of Kurt in the episode, and he um, talks about, or this is where they're celebrating their big, you know, um, Vogue.com win with the, with the video, and they're at the party, and oh man, you know what I did not do? I did not get those two, I did not look up the, the two uh, movies that they um, watched. Because they're relevant, and I had done it at the time, but I didn't put it in my meta. But uh, Isabel says that the last time she went to go um, to the movies, she saw this double feature of these two films. And both films, when you look them up, kind of have a little bit of relevance to what Kurt's going through in his own in his own life. So I encourage people to look that up, because I forgot. But yeah, no, I'll let it... What do, we, what do you guys think about this scene here at the end? Um, well, I think he could... He probably maybe... Again, he probably could have like they, again communication. He could have said to Blaine before, "Hey, I'm going to be at this thing tonight for work. I'll call you back later, and then we can talk about our days." And I mean, that's something that might have, you know, that that might, you know, if they planned a phone call every night, then they could have planned it for a different time that night. So, but again, communication. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the the picture on his phone. Somebody fans pointed out that it's it's from the the next week. It's from the future. It's from the breakup. Yep, it's from the it's from the breakup. It's from the outfits of the breakup. Maybe they wore the exact same outfits before, and they were trying to recreate their their old connection by wearing those outfits again. But then everything fell apart. I like that. That is one of the best headcanons for that. I'm adopting that. That's I'm going to do that. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my specialty is like making things make sense in the timeline of Glee. <laughs> yeah, that scene to me, 
I guess it it, it wasn't clear to me whether that was actually the night or the daytime. Like, to me, I thought that that was just their regular, his regular working hours. And him not answering the phone like that, like when he was having a conversation with Blaine and not really listening, that, that was more of a problem for me. Him, him rejecting Blaine's call. I was like, Oh yeah, I would totally do that at work. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, <laughs> it's, um, Blaine, I know it's after school cause the Blaine and Sam and everybody's at, at breadsticks, but I mean, it still could be, it still could be like a, you know, late dinner party. I, I think he just doesn't know that that's going to build build on to Blaine's case against their relationship. Exactly. And I don't, I mean, yeah, Kurt, like he thought he hesitated. He's like, okay, well, this is Blaine. I do need to, you know, it is something that's there. It's just on the back of his mind. And we don't know that he didn't text him later on that night. We don't know that I mean, because of the way, because it's uh, the way it's framed, it's, it makes Kurt look, Oh, totally dismissive because we're seeing a lot of this through Blaine's point of view on the other mm-hmm. side of the story, but we don't know. I mean, like, uh, Kurt could have called him earlier could have, or, or the next day or whatnot. I don't think, I think that Blaine has built up a lot of this in his head, which yeah. we'll talk a lot about with, again yeah. on the other side. And I don't think that, you know, Kurt is a villain in his story. I no. think that it's just, you know, Hey, a, a nice text would, a, a quick text, you know, would have been, sufficient but again we don't know if he didn't do that later on because we don't see later on i don't know i don't think that it was a the worst thing that kurt ever did so (laughs) i just had to put that in there because it seems like some people did think that was the worst thing he'd ever done and so i just wanted to identify myself as somebody who is not going to answer your phone calls while i'm at work so if that means i'm an evil person i need people to know that about me <laughs> Not at all. That's an app you can go to voicemail. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I would like um when I used to watch the show Lost, I would not answer your phone call. Like if you called me between eight and nine on Wednesday nights, I won't I wouldn't answer. Oh yeah, I used to tell people well before the episode, I'm watching Glee tonight, so don't talk. <laughs> so you know, priorities, no really. I, but it's I especially here is Kurt in a very professional setting. I mean, yeah, they're all drinking and having fun and just chatting, but it is Again, just about communication, and that kind of um, kind of brings us to the end of, of Kurt's story. There is a little bit New York stuff with Rachel and Finn coming back at the very end, but I, I don't know. Yeah, that's something that we really need to talk about in this. We really want to talk about Rachel's secrets and Brody's weird secrets and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, now the duets was the only thing that I wanted to mention. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to? to touch upon before we wrap up or anything or everything that I have written down. I'm good. Okay. I just like to make sure before we wrap things up. So, okay. Well, Oh wait, I could just repeat. Oh my God. They need to let Kurt sing more. I'm so sad that Glee is over because like my, that burning that, I mean, it's the burning fruitless hope that he'll get like a ton of solos. Like I no longer have that to motivate me. It's okay. It's actually okay. Cause then I don't get disappointed every week either, but, <laughs> but there's, there are still times when I'll hear a song and be like, Oh, this would have been perfect for Kurt to sing yeah. an episode, blah, blah, blah. Well, and the thing with, uh. um, <laughs> with the way you look tonight too, well, there, there is a little bit of, you know, Kurt singing about, uh, fashion and that's kind of fun, but it's 
Yeah, Kurt just doesn't get... I don't think he... Well, he'll sing in the breakup episode with, you know, everybody else. But I don't think he gets a, a song until Being Alive. Yeah, well, didn't you say something, I, that there was some... <sighs> Uh, speculation that they or or fact that they were told to cut cut out the show tunes and he's really good at show tunes back what? in season no. three they did the first um the first five to eight episodes and fox intervened and they said um the head of fox went to ryan murphy and said look no more show tunes <laughs> less gay basically uh more focus on like finn and rachel so basically fox had no idea who the audience of glee was they did not wow. Yeah. They, well, they wanted pop songs because I'm guessing that the the show tunes weren't selling like the way right. Teenage Dream and Don't Stop Believing were selling. Right. So they said, we want more pop songs. We want more tribute episodes. We want to sell. We want to make money, basically. Right. So mm. Ryan Murphy decided to, cha- I mean, that's why we, I mean, then they went to Michael Jackson, which I believe sold really well. And then Whitney yeah. Houston and all of that stuff. And because of that, you know, Kurt didn't get a lot of things to sing. Um, they, I, I don't think that Chris was ever a bestseller on iTunes, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, but I think that's another reason. And there was also speculation that Chris didn't want to do a lot of singing on the show anyway. Um, so mm-hmm. I think a combination of that kind of stuff is why we got less Kurt singing. But it is still sad because you we- know it's probably all the angels crying every time he he sung a note and just like his ha- would get his hair wet and it was just I bet it was probably really tiresome for him. That's a headcanon I accept. <laughs> well, maybe hopefully in the future, Chris will have. He's he's sort of hinted that he want he would he would do Broadway, maybe a musical. So that's a possibility. Fingers crossed. Yep, I think he'd be fantastic on Broadway. It'd be a delight yes. to see him on Broadway. I would get my butt to New York to go see that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me. I hope. Um, you had a fun first time on the podcast and that you guys come back and join us again. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you, my listeners for listening because I know we're going to go into some Rocky stuff coming up. Uh, coming up next is the B side of makeover, which is the blame focused one. And then next week we will be hitting heavy with the breakup. So I'll see you next week. Missing puzzle piece. I'm complete. I was just guessing at numbers and figures, pulling the puzzles apart. Will you love me even with my dark side? Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there. To help us survive